welcome to the Dad Strength Podcast, helping you take care of yourself so that you can be present for your people. The Dad Strength Podcast is an Unlearning Network production. My name is Jeff Gervitz, and I am your host. I am your travel guide, and I am the lower portion of your zip-away camping pants. Are dads still wearing those? You know, the ones where you're like, summer's here, down to make these pants into shorts. I like to think that I'm pretty transparent about the process of creating a, a podcast. And I know I haven't spoken a ton about it, but nothing is off limits, really. I'm figuring out this stuff as I go, and I'm really happy to sort of build in public and let you see what's going on. But, you know, if we're being honest, there's always going to be some kind of editing. And the wild thing is, you can always play a bit of a shell game with your most vulnerable self. Is it over here? Is it over there? And I'm going to get into persona a bit with today's guest. I have friendships with most of the people I've had on so far, which is pretty cool. I feel very lucky to know the people that I do. Um, my guest today is someone who I've known for over a decade. He's an old soul with a really incredible work ethic. I have always respected his hustle. And I think he's a member of the school of reinvention in the sense of uh, when he decides that he wants something, an outcome or an experience, he finds a way to get it. And it's not always through the advertised routes. Those roads are too well-traveled. So you have to be kind of creative and skilled to do it. And for Graham Isidore, a lot of those talents have been leveraged through journalism. He's written for Vice, GQ, and the BBC. And we've done a few things together too, which we'll tell you about in this episode. Before we get started, I have a message for dads with ADHD who want to dial into their highest mental abilities. Performance psychology tends to be built for the neurotypical. So I will be hosting a workshop in Toronto this fall for guys like us. Uh, the format, the participants, the content, all for the neuro spicy. This is not a thing you can just buy. To even find out more, we begin with a conversation. So if you are a high-performing dad with ADHD, I would love to speak to you. And even if you have zero interest in the workshop, if we're not going to do that, I still want to have a conversation with you because I'm getting so much out of uh, talking to fathers with ADHD who are really making this work for uh, who they are professionally, who they are as dads, uh, to set up a time to talk, you can email me at jeff, G-E-O-F-F, -F, at dadstrength.com. We'll book a time, we'll have a conversation, and if you're interested in the workshop, we'll get into that too. I also have some amazing news about it. My good friend, Krista Scott Dixon, who you might have heard on the very first episode of the Dad Strength Podcast, is going to be running the workshop with me. Krista is brilliant and always understands how to approach this stuff as a human being. She has, in my view, been a major player in modernizing the coaching industry. And the two of us are going to party down with your brain. Again, you can email me at jeff, G-E-O-F-F, -F, at dadstrength.com to learn more. And do me a favor and put the word workshop in the subject line so I know what's up. And I'll get back to you soon. Now for my interview with Graham Isidore. Let's get into it. You're fresh back from Dubai. <laughs> We're going to start there, Jeff. Okay. <laughs> where, where do you want to start? No, I am. I am fresh back from Dubai. That's true. I just did a, a trip to Dubai uh, with one of my good pals uh, for an article that's going to come out on uh, Photos Travel probably next week or two. You were pampered when I was like, so it's not a Motel 6. And you're like, oh, they're, they're billing it as a seven star. <laughs> it sounded 
Um, I think surreal would be the word I would use. Yeah, it's become a, a thing kind of lately that a lot of my job is to go and have very strange experiences and then tell people about it. Um, this one was more out there than a lot of other things that I've done over the course of my life, uh, just because I didn't really understand that there was that level of opulence that could kind of go around. I was listening to this going, well, it sounds amazing, but it also sounds almost like it's, um, if you have made absurd sums of money, it's almost insulating in terms of um, creating a, a, a separate reality for you. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it had very much to do with a lot of people's real life. Um, and I think that that was one of the things that was really fascinating for me to go and visit uh, because that's not something I get to experience on the regular. But I think that there is kind of a, a disconnect that happens um, if you have that level of wealth that comes together uh, because, yeah, you just kind of don't know. No, like you don't know how other people operate. Um, everything kind of seems at your fingertips in a really cool way, but that kind of Midas touch always comes with backlashes as well. So there's, there's, yeah, a real disconnect between what was happening there and reality in a cool way. But if anybody ever pays your way to go stay at a seven star resort in Dubai, uh, I would suggest it. I'd say take them up on the offer. <laughs> you sort of crafted a career around these explorations and experiments and mostly doing cool shit. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, you know, I think one of the the bigger ones had actually started off here and had you involved as well. Um, I did an experiment, I guess, probably four or five years ago now that sort of changed my life in a lot of ways where uh, I tried to get abs in 80 days. Uh, so I was trying to follow a pattern of, you know, those kind of like infomercial transformations to see if it would work for a regular person uh, and did a... a terrible job with it to the point where my <laughs> editor said that I ruined my life, um, you know, after reading through the article that he put together. Uh, and that kind of experience um, and that kind of first big hit, it was the first thing that I had done that had gotten, uh, you know, multiple millions of views and picked up by other news websites and kind of shared across the world and had interviews done about it afterwards. Um, uh, just kind of uh, facilitated uh, the ability to go and do more different crazy experiments. Uh, and I think, you know, one of the reasons probably why I'm here on this podcast today is because a lot of those have kind of centered around the idea of like what modern masculinity is and what fitness is and what experiments that we can do with our body. Uh, so Dubai aside, you know, usually what I'm doing is trying to eat something weird or trying to, to push the physical limitations of, of what my body can do. Yeah, there was, didn't you do one where it was how many chicken nuggets? Yeah, yeah. I tried to eat uh, 50 chicken McNuggets in less than, than half an hour, um, which I did complete, but I would not suggest for other people. Uh, it's, uh, it's more McNuggets than you think it is. It's more McNuggets. Than you, it's always more McNuggets <laughs> than you think it is. Yeah, it's, it's been cool. And, you know, from my perspective... I, I think what you've brought to this and why these things have hit, why they've resonated is because you are, you're saying the things that a lot of people think have wondered about, like, how do I do this? What if I did do absolutely everything, get super lean? Um, what if I built a life around it? What, you know, and it's not always as advertised. I guess I think that's, that's the value of what you're describing. You're also really honest and, and I, I dare say vulnerable 
about it. Vulnerability is an interesting concept around these things because it's something that gets uh, a term that gets put on my work quite a bit. People talk about honesty and vulnerability with it. And I think it's true to a point. Um, but it's also very calculated, you know? Uh, it's just like, I'm, I'm hyper aware of the way I'm presenting myself and what I'm telling uh, an audience or readers at that point. So I think that, you know, I do have elements of vulnerability or honesty within what I'm doing, but I'm also choosing to paint a picture of this person, you know, cause I'm in mm -hmm. the, uh, I have the ability to do so in a lot of ways. Um, so, you know, whether I'm kind of very forthright about my emotional experiences with trying to get lean or eat nuggets or whatever, uh, it's all something that I'm choosing to kind of give an audience. And I think that that actually also plays back into some of the reason why I do these types of experiments anyways, it's ability to kind of create yourself and create this uh, public persona. Um, of how people, uh, how I would like people to view me. Uh, so I think that there is elements of vulnerability and elements of honesty in what I do, but I'm also kind of aware of, of how I'm presenting myself to readers or audiences at this point. And I've been lucky in my career that uh, there's been a number of different things that I've put together that have gotten kind of that mass audience um, appeal at this point. So yeah, it, it's interesting to kind of think about how honesty and vulnerability plays into that. And like, what does that mean for the way that we present ourselves to the public? I mean, I get what you're saying. And I, you know, having, having read through it, I agree with you that there is, there is a selective editing, there's sort of a curation, but the fact that we're even talking about this here, it just, it's turtles all the way down. It starts getting pretty meta. For sure. I, I wish that I was a person who was not as kind of self-conscious as I am about how I present to other people and what uh, my public persona is, but it was the knowledge that this is something that I'm going to deal with kind of regardless, just mm. that's the temperament that I have and the uh, the kind of way that my mind works. So if that's something I'm going to deal with regardless, then I'd like to at least be able to take control of it in one way or another. And I mean, it plays into conversations that we've had about, uh, yeah, what it is to be a guy, what it is to be masculine, what it is to present these different ways. And like, um, I, I think about that a lot, especially within the concepts of like gym culture, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, is there, what does it mean that a person wants to lift weights? What is a person that means that they, they kind of go after these different goals? And, uh, you know, how does the public kind of perceive that a lot of the time is something that, uh, you know, you and I have had conversations about. Okay. Take me back to like 15 year old goth Graham. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like uh, uh, that again, aspects of what you want to play up about yourself. I think I, kind of made a face in the wind after seeing my brother's two week stint in punk rock when he was like 15, his little phase in it. And then decided that that was going to be the trajectory for, for kind of the rest of my, the rest of my life in some ways, at least the rest of the next decade. Um, and so I would run around, you know, in, in tight pants and makeup and, and all of these, uh, outrageous band t-shirts and stuff. And I think, there was aspects of that that, again, is just like, what do you present to the public? Like, well, how do you want to put yourself out there? And that was a chance to kind of define myself in a way. And a lot of that was just by opposition at that point. It was like, hey, you know, F you, I'm not uh, one of these people who, who wears Abercrombie or, or you know, I, I don't like American Eagle or whatever and whatnot, <laughs> which seems so ridiculous in hindsight. But uh, a lot of what it is as a teenager is just kind of like, 
testing things out to see what sticks and kind of what feels right. And for me at that point in my life, you know, punk rock and goth and black clothing and, you know, big hair seems uh, the the easiest way into a culture and community and also something that felt kind of really right for me. Uh, and it was very funny at that point in my life because it also kind of stood in contrast to a lot of things that are very important to me now, which is like uh, weightlifting, the gym, uh, and I think like what people would see as like typical modes of modern masculinity. Um, so that's also something I think about too, where I was just like, I was trying to reject those things because at that point in my life, the only thing I associated with like Modern masculinity was sort of like the the Spike TV, Maxim magazine kind of mm -hmm. dichotomy around it. And I knew I didn't want to be kind of like those people. So I projected a lot of that and kind of found it in different ways later in life, trying to find positive uh, role models and po positive elements of that. What's the earliest you remember being conscious about masculinity yeah, I mean, I think it's just like, uh, uh, you know, from like 13 or 14 or so, it's like there was just people calling me like uh, three and four letter words that we won't repeat on the podcast in this way. So it was like, it had kind of nothing to do, like that was even before kind of I had started dyeing my hair, growing along or whatever else. And it had really nothing to do with like anything. I think it was just kind of like that in a sort of relatively small town, that was a way that uh, teenagers interacted with each other or teenagers interacted with like younger people. Um, and so it was this thing where I was just like, oh, okay, I'm getting called all these names or kind of being put in these boxes without really being totally aware of why. And so there was a big kind of rejection towards anything that, that resembled, uh, that to me because like, you know, modern masculinity in a lot of ways was like people, uh, you know, calling me names and offering threats, you know, which mm -hmm. is not meant to be uh, overly dramatic or anything. I think this is an experience for a lot of people in high school, but it was just like, oh, if that's what that is, then I want nothing to do with it. Where I think, um, you know, as I've gotten, gotten older, it's finding different ways back into being able to be like, okay, well, what are, what's like masculinity without the toxic elements mm -hmm. and like where are the positive things in been in that but yeah I'm, I feel like I'm jumping ahead a bit well you were one thing I want to ask you about you know you're not the first human being uh, I've met or worked with who like you wear strength well you're naturally a, a beefy guy you've put on muscle beautifully like I think it's it's a very sort of natural fit but when you're a teenager I think as part of that you were also trying to be like as skinny as possible yeah right? it's yeah. like if you know if your heroes are sort of like you know, um, Ian from Joy Division and, you know, and Morrissey and like early Robert Smith and like, you know, Davey Havoc or all these like drugged out punk stars or something, then I think that there's an aesthetic and element that goes along with that, that is to kind of be as like wraith thin as possible, which isn't my body type, like at all. You know, I had uh, uh, Mike Boyle on an earlier podcast and we talked about how it's not advertised how much of our idea of what an athletic body looks like comes down to steroids. Um, and in this case, the, the performance enhancing drug was heroin mostly, <laughs> but we're not like as kids, we're not aware that this isn't a reality. This, we don't just kind of will ourselves into either muscle or being like ridiculously lean or whatever else it is. So how is that sort of body image 
um, and sense of identity evolve for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been trying to find different elements to be able to like embrace strength and, and who are the role models that kind of come in with that. So, you know, like I think I had known about Black Flag, but I hadn't really got into like Henry Rollins and like the uh, everything that kind of he stands for um, until kind of 18 or 19. And there was this idea that like you could still exist within these, you know, punk rock or hard rock or, um, you know, alternative worlds while also finding ways to kind of embrace what uh, weightlifting and masculinity and, you know, um, and how that kind of came together. It's it's um, something that like, I wish I was not as self-conscious about, like, I wish that a lot of my life was done a little bit more organically or naturally, that it wasn't all just big decisions to kind of be like actively pursue and chase things. But when I found his work kind of uh, at a, a late teens, early 20s phase, it really facilitated a, a new kind of eye-opening part of my life where I was like, okay, this is something that I want to chase. Similarly, I think the reason why I ended up at Bank Fitness where, um, you know, we're talking here today that, that Jeff runs is uh, my, my pal, Robin Black. That's episode five, um, by the way. Who is married to one of my oldest, dearest friends who I've known since I was 11 or 12 or so. But watching Robin go from being this, uh, this glam rock star to this person who embraced uh, MMA and, um, you know, weightlifting after that, it, it was this, the whole second act for him that seemed really appealing and seemed like something that uh, I could start chasing too. So Robin's uh, time at this gym is kind of what brought me here uh, and like gave me a more curiosity for for kind of being able to to take a different look at like, okay, what does it mean to be able to uh, embrace these aspects of your life? And I found that like, yeah, being able to put on some muscle, being able to actively chase being strong uh, just gave me kind of a, a quiet confidence that I didn't have previous to that. Uh, it gave me the ability to hold myself in different ways. Um, it gave me, uh, you know, the knowledge that I could um, hold my own if anything uh, ever goes wrong. It gave me uh, a confidence that I just didn't have previous to that. And I'm, I'm really grateful for those things. And I think uh, through the classes here, particularly through uh, the strongman class that we do here, um, I ended up finding a whole different kind of community uh, of uh, fit dads, for, for, for lack of a better word, but men who, you know, uh, kind of embrace elements of fatherhood, modern masculinity, and uh, uh, all push each other in a really positive way to be able to be, kind of be strong and confident and, and, and chase after those things that are important, whether that's, you know, being a really good dad or, or having a 400 pound deadlift. They're very sweet men. You know, when we talk about a strong man class, um, it's not necessarily how you, you picture it. It's helmed by, um, we haven't talked about Steve on the podcast. <laughs> Steve stays out of all, all social media. He's, he's a stoic, uh, very intelligent, literal giant <laughs> um, uh, who is extremely kind but can have a little bit of a gruff exterior kind of there. But I think that the, the class that we cultivated as strong men, and again, I think what people might think about when they hear, hey, it's a strong man class, uh, again, kind <laughs> of exists in that um, axe body spray realm of masculinity that that I don't really subscribe to. But what we actually have is like a, a group of guys who's been here for, you know, some of us a decade at this point, uh, and chasing goals together and encouraging each other and being able to kind of shoot the guff in a way shoot that, um, 
Oh, you can swear. I'm trying not to curse. I'm trying not to. Uh, like never, he never I works mean, no. I'm just. He, uh, it's always family friendly. Um, <laughs> but it's like people who are shooting the golf. Uh, yeah, people who are just able to kind of chat with each other and encourage each other this way. And like, uh, you know, in addition to kind of putting up some some real weight overhead or pushing 400 pound sleds around or, you know, carrying these crazy amounts of weight. But that all kind of happens because we found different ways to encourage each other. And I don't think I would have kind of continued investing in this and then be here as long as I have without the kind of sense of community that's come along with that. Yeah, it's been this very, um, as much as, you know, I'd love to take credit and say I planned this or organized it. This has been very much an emergent thing. It's been through Steve and just sort of this, um, this collaboration between everyone, but the energy is very positive. It's sweet. Like pe people put their heads down. Um, but it's, yeah, like as described, um, and I love that. Yeah. It's not an ax body spray kind of vibe at all. So, so now, okay. So if we, if we kind of open up a portal to high school, Graham, yeah. And now you're talking about masculinity, how would you describe sort of a more evolved version of that to your younger self? To my younger self, I think it's just finding, <sighs> there's things about it that, you know, about the, about what I do here in terms of lifting weights and like, um, you know, the involvement that I've had in mixed martial arts, uh, in one way or another, either working as a producer or, um, you know, being involved in those scenes through having friends who fight for a living. Uh, and I think about those types of things where, um, I think a lot of what I was doing before was kind of searching for a community. Um, and I think a lot of, you know, young people are, are trying to find that and then finding, uh, a bunch of guys who kind of, uh, are very dedicated and motivated and driven to be able to pursue these goals, uh, and are doing things that like, um, most other people can't do. And sometimes that's like, oh, I'm going to fight another person in a cage. But sometimes that's like, is something as simple as like, Hey, you know, like, getting on a 200 pound bench press, getting that, um, you know, those, those big sandbag carries. Like it, it was like, here's ways into this kind of like, uh, what almost kind of feels like a, 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 I don't know, secret society for lack of a better word, where it's like, we're all able to kind of do these things and motivate each other. And you have a group of friends who are like all committed to these bigger goals. And I think that like, in some ways that, really mirrors a lot of what I had found in like the, you know, music scenes that I've been a part of. Um, mm -hmm. Where it's just like, if you're searching for a sense of community, a sense of belonging, a sense of shared values and goals, it's like, well, it's not stage diving <laughs> anymore, you know, or it's not, uh, you know, angry three chords and, and all these other things. But there are elements of those things that that kind of mirror each other in a nice way. And yeah, I think it'd be like, I think that that younger version of yourself would be or myself would be very surprised about that. But I also think that like, it's important to honor those things and not also become completely transfixed about like, what your younger self has for your expectations of what your life should be, because that person doesn't know anything yet. <laughs> um, they just have a bunch of ideas. Yeah, you kind of see, you know, your world's smaller when you're young and you know, you know what you don't want. But, and I used to think that was kind of enough to know what you didn't want. But I, I now would say, you do have to know what you're searching for. I would, I would say, I think to young Graham, um, you know, continue to trust your gut. They don't have to be 
Now I have to try not to swear. They don't have to be poopheads. <laughs> you can swear. It doesn't, doesn't have to be um, guff heads, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, ouch, ouch. But um, so tr- like, trust your, your sense um, that, that it doesn't have to be inherently sort of um, poisonous. But because there's, there's a whole other side of that. I mean, let, well, let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, like, well, I think a lot of it was like fear, you know, it's like, it's just like, not for nothing, but I used to get the shit kicked out of me. You know, I was just like, I've been in a couple of fights in my life and like, uh, never won, but like, you know, it's like, it's one of those things where I think a lot of like running away from aspects of, of what, uh, you know, traditional like maleness or whatever was like people, you know, uh, like getting chased out of a bar at 14 by like, uh, you know, by a group of 12 25 year olds who want to kick the shit at me. Right. Or like, you know, being at a show and just like someone coming up and just trying to choke you for no reason, you know, or like having my nose broken or like having all these things. These are all things that happened. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, it's not something that like, uh, I don't think it's, I think it's like with me and I'm there of it the entire time, but it was just like, it was such a violent reaction to be like, no, I'm not like that because, uh, those people want to kill me, you know? Um, and so it's just like, you know, it was a strange thing that I think that aspects of why I learned to kind of embrace and hold my own in a different, um, way as I kind of got older and uh, what kind of drew me to the gym also was like, okay, well, are there ways into this? And also is there ways to like protect myself, you know? Um, yeah. So it's like, it's a strange thing. And it's not something that I talk about, uh, a ton, but like, uh, I think about that and I think about like, okay, well, uh, it's a, it's a baby with the bathwater, like, uh, analogy a lot of the time, because I think that like, I totally understand my ideas of like toxic masculinity get thrown around or that definition gets put out a lot. And I think that that element of it, you know, has led to some really abhorrent things within the concept of culture. That said, I think that like by throwing it all away, we're, we're undercutting and disserving like a lot of what uh, young men need, you know? So if you can find positive examples of masculinity and positive male role models and elements of like discipline and elements of, uh, you know, um, self-growth uh, that all can kind of come along with like positive male spaces, particularly gyms, I think it's huge. But yeah, it's a, it's a tricky edge to walk a lot of the time because I think that those things can be co-opted by different spaces. And I do understand why um, some people can kind of have problems with those things. But yeah, when we talk about dad strength or we talk about like the strongman group or whatever, like I think having positive male role models in my life, you know, yourself included, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, has been pretty huge, you know, in terms of like how I shape my personality nowadays and like watching like, uh, you know, good men who are like committed to their families and like who love their kids and their wives and who come in here and are able to kind of move around some real weight and like, uh, have, you know, um, things that they, they chase after and are really encouraging with each other has been a huge positive on my life in a way that I didn't really have, you know, uh, growing up a lot of time. Cause like I lost my dad pretty young too. So yeah, it's interesting to kind of see like what comes together with that and like, and where, I think embracing aspects of, of that aspect of my personality or that aspect of kind of like what goes on in day-to-day life has been uh, really, really good for me in a way that I think that like a lot of people don't 
necessarily understand. It's always very funny when I'm in like lefty theater spaces, they think I'm like a meathead jock. When I'm in like, uh, you know, around my, my friends who fight, they think I'm a poet. So it's like, it's uh, interesting to kind of see the dichotomies of how that comes together. But like, yeah, you just kind of have to, I think like finding the elements of it that work for you and then finding the elements of it that you can stick to are really important. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? And I, I guess that speaks to how you how you exist in these spaces and how you're perceived. Kind of speaks to um, not fitting into a readily identifiable mold, or oh, it's one of these, right? Like, because I remember in high school, I used to see people who would like model themselves on a television character, a movie character, uh, probably once in a gray while a literary character. But you know, so you know, you sort of know what you're getting in or what they're trying to design for. But as as you've sort of um, grown, you you've shaped a much more distinctive identity. Yeah, and I think it's like part of that in like adolescence is kind of trying to figure that out. But it was like, how do we create positive role models that happen for this too? And I think that that's really important. Like you know, it's uh, so that doesn't just end up with people chasing. I don't know, like militaristic figures who wear Punisher logos and mm. secretly hate women or something, you know? But it's like, it's, it's not like, it, it's funny. I think about like the fight club dichotomy of everything where people like don't understand that that's a critique of toxic masculinity. And then at the same time, I, I see that I'm like, I, you know, my buddy Diego was talking about this where it's also like, oh, well, they're also living with their boys and, and getting stuff done. <laughs> and that seems pretty fun. So it's like, it's funny how all that kind of comes together. But I think it's really important. And especially, you know, as we get older, where it's like, can we be, um, you know, if you're a person who's in public in, in some way or another, then like you have to be aware that like uh, the way that, you know, younger men or sons or whatever are going to perceive you in this way and how do you kind of live your life as a positive example of that yeah i feel like growing up from a, i'm older than you um but maybe you know i don't know how much it changed growing up you know guys were not given like a rich palette of emotions to draw from there wasn't a lot of nuance in how you expressed yourself it was hard to share positivity um, yeah. with another guy right and i think i think when i think about that it's just like sharing an emotional life or truths or uh you know feelings or opinions with yourself doesn't have to be something um you know very flowery or or uh very melodic or very like whatever else it's like is there there's ways to do this you know not that there's anything wrong with those that aspects of it but i was just like it i think that a lot of time any true show of emotion kind of gets associated with like oh you can't do that because you're a guy or it has to be like everything kind of has to be like uh bottled up or whatever else and i think that like finding male you know spaces where you can talk about this stuff is super important um and like finding different ways to be able to share that with like friends and and um you know uh different people in your life is, is really really valuable because i don't think that like uh you know trying to hide any of those emotions can lead to really negative consequences for different people. But we don't necessarily have like the palette or the ability to communicate with each other in the way that I, I wish that we did. So it's trying to find spaces and trying to be, you know, um, as open as possible as in a way that like, it doesn't have to be 
none of it has to be that serious. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you can yeah. just like, like, you know, sh shooting the guff uh, can, <laughs> can be like a, a very, very valuable in terms of what that, that means. And like trying to just like talk honestly about like what your life is with people. And I think that like trying to find spaces where that's acceptable and trying to create spaces for other people where that's acceptable is uh, really invaluable. Um, but like those things, uh, can feel a little self-conscious at first when they when they start to happen so like yeah i don't know i was just like I, i'm not i think it's just like i've been very uh fortunate that i have a lot of those friends groups nowadays where i can talk like that uh but i know a lot of guys don't and i kind of see what uh how stunting that can be to their growth as people yeah you need room you need room for that I guess holding space is the, is the expression of the, of the time, but just to sit like for somebody to express how they feel, uh, guys are notorious for like, Oh, well, well let me give you the solution to that. Uh, you know, which, which people don't need. Just yeah. But the, there's just like, there's a transformative means to be able to just like honestly shoot the shit with people. Like, I think that like, if you feel like you can just tell your buddies, whatever is going on in your life, um, it, just kind of uh takes the burden off of that in a different way and that doesn't need like you know that can just be like what happened at work today that can be something that's happening with your wife that can be whatever but like it's just like being able to kind of like cultivate those spaces where you can be open and honest with each other in a way that doesn't feel uh self-conscious is super important and like you know finding yeah. friends in spaces like that is is really big or and has been for me do you remember the last time where you were like can can, can I say this? Can I, where you had to push boundaries a little bit? Uh, no, I mean, like, I'm, I'm really lucky with like my friend group where it's like that, that's something where it's just like, I don't know, we're pretty open book with each other. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just like, I, I think that like, it's also one of those things that, uh, when talking about like mental health aspects of, of things that come together and stuff that can be a little bit heavier, we're pretty good about checking in with each other for those things. Um, but yeah, it's just like, that's not to say that uh, there's a, like, I can walk into every space and just be like, here's everything that's going on or even that that, that would be appropriate. But uh, making sure I have those enough friends around where I can like honestly talk about anything that's going on in my life is good. Let's come back to Rollins. No, let's do it. <laughs> Happily talk about Rollins all day. I'm going to link to, what's the essay? The Iron? The Iron. Yeah, mm. the Iron is a pivotal text in my uh, life. Um, so, uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, basically, uh, uh, Henry Rollins, who, um, went on to be one of, I think maybe the third, second or third singer in a band called Black Flag, who were a pivotal DC hardcore act. Um, he talked about how at, uh, 15 years old, there was a teacher who, um, noticed that he was getting bullied and gave him a set of weights. Uh, and he told him that he wasn't able to look at himself for three months and had to go through this gym program. Uh, and afterwards he could figure out um, how it changed him. And every day he would come and punch Henry in the chest uh, mm -hmm. uh, to kind of prove his point. And then by the third month, uh, he, he no longer could knock Henry over when he punched him in the chest, um, which is it's, it's, kind of an awful story in some so ways. But, but there's, there's, here's the thing, there's a, there's a love in there. And, and I think that, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of stories about um, similar things and they sound rough and, and from the exterior you go that's like that's not acceptable but context 
is everything. And like, what was the, what was the underlying emotion there? Yeah. It was like, it was the recognition that this kid was at like a spiraling at an all male uh, military school where he was getting beat up all the time. So this was this teacher's ability to kind of give him uh, a sense of self and uh, a way to kind of protect himself through, through weightlifting here. And then the rest of the essay kind of talks about how um, the different life lessons that he's learned through, through pushing weight. Um, it's a pretty incredible text. I got the chance to talk to, to Rollins about it when I was, I think maybe like 19 for, for a work thing. Uh, and he mm -hmm. was very polite and I was very excited. Um, Check. but, uh, yeah, it's been one of those things where I think that like, he's an example, another example, easy example is like Anthony Bourdain, you know, um, yeah. of people who kind of like exist in this like hyper-masculine space in a lot of ways, but have, uh, you know, enough, um, emotional sensibility and, and different vulnerabilities to give, uh, an in, in terms of what their life is and like have had, uh, a lot of benefits, uh, come to them because of those things. So, you know, two big heroes of mine. Um, yeah. And I, I think about trying to, the different ways in my life that I try to emulate both of those guys. Yeah. When I think of those guys, yeah, punk rock, both of them and strong enough that they can also be honest. They could also be, I don't want to keep using the word vulnerable, but I think, you know, that's what fits. They, um, they don't have to strong enough. Maybe they don't have to be pretend to, you know, pretend to be strong where they're not. Yeah. Well, I think like what really appeals to me about both of them is that there's life situations that they've been in that have been uh, difficult or brunt or whether that's like working in kitchens forever, whether that's like a kind of uh, minimum wage working world and then life on the road as a touring musician. Uh, they're able to talk about those experiences and the beauty and the, the hardness of both those things in a way that was uh, felt close to the bone honest, where it was just like a a reflection of what that experience was that felt um, uh, true and without um, much uh, uh, kind of flowery language to kind of uh, dress up what those things are. And that's always kind of what I'm looking for in the writing that I enjoy and the writing that I try to create where it's just like, how do we try to be as, uh, you know, um, truthful as possible about like kind of what what these experiences are. And I think about like, yeah, that to me, um, a lot of time is just like, I don't know, that's how I like to be talked to. That's how I like to, to try to treat other people. And, and that's also just like the stuff that appeals to me the most where it's just like to try to get um, as accurate as a reflection of, of what things are and give them back to people. How old were you when, you, when your dad passed away? I was uh, 21. You're 21. That's, that's young. Yeah. That's young. Um, how do you think about, you know, I, um, I think of my, my dad a lot and, um, he died. I feel like just when we were really starting to connect, it didn't work. It didn't work that well. It didn't work that well growing up, but we were, we were having, we were, we were starting to have real conversations. Um, where do you feel like it left off with you and your dad? Well, I think there was a frustration because I wasn't, he didn't really know how to connect with me. Like I knew that my dad loved me, but like 
like verbatim is something he said to me. He's like, I love you, but I have no idea how to connect with you, which is a very funny thing to say. Um, and also accurate, but like, I mean, my whole life was spent in opposition of authority figures and my pops as like both my dad and a, a judge, you know, uh, is, was an easy target for a lot of that stuff. Um, so I don't think I had any, I wasn't aware that I wouldn't have more time, you know, and I, I think that like, um, any olive branch that he kind of tried to give to me at that point was either misunderstood or unwanted. Um, and so I think about what that relationship was and like, we weren't, I wish we were closer than we were in a lot of ways. Um, but I just didn't get there. And I think it would have, as I got older. Um, but yeah, I think about like what, what it kind of means in the context of, of like a larger life lesson. And I think that it's also kind of like, yeah, it's very important to have positive male role models in your life. And like, um, if there's any aspect of my life that ever comes up where I, I have that ability to be that for other people, um, you know, with some of my friends, kids, um, I, I try to take that as a, a big responsibility, but like, it's funny in so many ways where like, I think, yeah, I'm the age now. He had me when how do I phrase this? Uh, I was, he was the same age I am now when he had me. And I think about like, you know, the idea of having a kid right now to me still seems pretty foreign, but I think about like the responsibilities and the things that kind of go along with that and, and kind of like what it means to be a good dad and what it means to be a good man and how those kind of things intersect. And it's really interesting watching my friends who have kids and some who I feel are, are really kind of taking that extremely seriously. And, and um, really engaging with our kids and are excited to be there. And then other people who I'm kind of like, it's crazy you have a kid. I remember <laughs> you trying to light your farts on fire and you know, with a, uh, and shooting fireworks at each other when we were like 15 and stuff. And, and like, it's um, interesting to kind of be at this age where, where those things kind of start to shift, but also kind of like, what does it mean to, to kind of be a good dad and what responsibility sort of comes along with that? And, you know, what does that mean? Uh, for my pops's legacy too, where it's just like trying to trying to remember him, and I wish I kind of did more than I do. Do you think uh, I've never asked you this? And you, you know, you've, I've known you for a long time. You're kind of an old soul anyway, but you're you're still a very young guy. Um, do you think uh, Do you think you'll have kids? Uh, for a long time, I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> um, uh, and I think Me that, too, man. I think that that was, uh, the thought process with that was like, that seemed about like getting a girl pregnant was a, probably about the worst thought I could have in my life. I was like, that seems awful. Um, as I've kind of gotten older, you know, uh, get a little bit more secure in my career, uh, kind of move to different points in my life. Like, I think that I've started to be more open to the idea because I've watched, um, uh, friends do it well, you know? Um, and like, and friends kind of get a lot of it. Uh, there's been some people I know who I think who have had kids because that's what they thought they should do right mm. now. And like, that's the age they were. And this is the point you do this at this point in your life. And that's not ever something I want, but like, uh, yeah, I can kind of see the idea of maybe in a couple of years being able to uh, embrace that. And yeah, it would be very interesting to kind of like have something as a person who's very kind of self-involved and, um, you know, is, is 
only kind of beholden to myself at this point to have somebody else that I was responsible for in a really full way is kind of scary, but also I'm curious to see what that would mean for my life, you know, and the positives that um, a lot of my friends have gotten out of, you know, having kids have been really encouraging in a lot of ways. Uh, the lack of sleep that they get, <laughs> less so. But um, yeah, it's interesting to kind of think about. I think it's a solid kind of maybe, whereas before it was like, uh, definitely, definitely not. But I don't know, maybe I'll just get a younger girlfriend when I'm 40 or something and <laughs> do, it, do it then. <laughs> well, I mean, I had a, yeah, I mean, I have my son of 40. Yeah. And, uh, dads yeah, are getting yeah. older, um, and making it work. What don't most people know about you? Oh, I don't know. I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> it's just like, they will I think, continue I think like, not to know. Think, yeah. I was like, I think people, uh, yeah, I think that there, there's a public persona that I've created that's become closer and closer to what my actual personality is as I've gotten older. Um, and it's been trying to figure out how to uh, embrace um, kind of whatever uh, character I've kind of created for myself and leave behind a lot of kind of old high school insecurities that, that haunted me before. So I think it's sort of like trying to create um, a writer or, or somebody who's kind of out there in the world that's as close as I am to in real life as I can be. Um, but in terms of like what people don't know about me, it's just like, I don't know, most of it's in the, in the essays. Yeah. Uh, if it's not, we're never going to talk about it. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a proponent of, um, career as therapy. Yeah. You know, um, what are you working on right now? What can we promote? Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I'm heading to Italy, um, to do a luxury adult fat camp, um, which is a story I've been chasing for a while. There's these, um, uh, a number of different, um, they would never phrase them as fat camps, by the way. And, uh, it's a, a wellness retreat. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm chasing one of those stories for photos travel. So it's packages that would cost kind of upwards of like 20 grand a week, um, to, uh, look at weight loss for, for folks and give them that kind of full program. Um, so I'm going to be working on that and, uh, working on that in July. Um, work is also sending me a turkey to get a hair transplant, which is very funny. Um, so I'm going to be doing that. Uh, and then, I don't know, there's always stuff going on. There's the, the column at GQ Wellness. So there's all sorts of crazy stuff that happens there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We don't need to plug anything. You're, you're a busy fellow. It's totally fine. There's a bunch of stuff going on. I'm on the internet. He's on the internet, y'all. Thanks a lot, Graham. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk, Jeff. I appreciate it. Graham is doing such cool things. I wanted to call back to uh, the article he mentioned that we collaborated on. It's actually a two-parter, fortunately. Uh, it was for Vice, and the title is, I Spent 80 Days Trying to Get Abs, and It Ruined My Life. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. So Graham took on what I think a lot of people regard as this sort of holy grail of body composition, visible abs. And he was not mentally prepared for what it took. And he really kind of suffered through it. And uh, the fun and kind of wild part of the article is he will detail his misery. Now, this isn't something I would have recommended. It's definitely not something I would take, you know, somebody off the street through. But I'd already known Graham for a long time. And I knew what uh, he was going to do with this. And my my real hope, by the way, was that he would write a, a follow up article where he sort of took the middle path. And he was able to get later on very comparable results. Uh, with a far more centered approach, a far more doable and sustainable approach. Um, 
you know, and he's gone on to, I, I, I don't know if he would call himself a fitness influencer, but he's, he's written articles uh, on walking and other experiences that I think have really helped make this stuff more accessible for a lot of people. And I believe that a big part, you know, the word we talked about was vulnerability. I think it's, it's just how frank he was, how candid he was about those parts of his experience, what he really wanted. And we're not pretending there, there's sort of a very, um, I don't know, philosophically uh, high point or perspective. It's, you know, sometimes it's just vanity stuff. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I believe at this point, and I've been doing this for a long time, we need a version of this. We need a version of fitness that speaks to both your highest aspirations you know, your deepest understanding of this stuff and some instant gratification and vanity. We need it all if uh, we're really going to offer a version of this that works for everybody. You know, we can negotiate what those particular details are. And I think you have to figure that out for yourself. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Big thanks to my guest, Graham Isidore. Shout out to the Unlearning Network. Reminder, that if you are interested in having a conversation about being a high-performing dad with ADHD, you can email me, jeff at dadstrength.com. That's G-E-O-F-F. Hey, it's not the spelling I picked, but it's the one I've got. Jeff at dadstrength.com. And I would love to chat with you. Here's wishing for you to have some adventures of your own and good things to follow. We'll see you soon. <laughs>